Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. the series on Stressed Out, and um, we won't sing the song again. You can thank me later, and uh, because we didn't know the words, none of us. And, um, and so week one, we talked about being stressed out, like out, and how we get to the point sometimes where we're not only stressed, and stress happens all the time, but we get to the point where we're actually out. And so we talked about the life of Elijah and how he was under immense pressure, and then had something really great happen, but then he just crashed. And, uh, but once comforted, when he received a little bit of comfort, that he went to a place where he knew that God had spoken before. And he did whatever it took to get to that place. And where he knew that God had spoken before, there he stayed in that place and waited to hear from God. And how when God spoke, he spoke completely differently to the way that he'd spoken in that very place before. He'd spoken to Moses one way, and then he speaks to Elijah in a completely different way so that we have to, when we're stressed out, go to where we know we've heard God before and wait to hear from Him and don't worry if it doesn't sound like the way that we thought it would. In week two, Daz talked last week about how to handle stress when you have no beef jerky. And uh, that was a great message. He talked about Paul being under strain but not stressed out. About the fact that we're jars of clay And we've got this tension going on because we're jars of clay, but we also have this all-surpassing power at work in us, according to Christ Jesus, our Lord. And uh, and so that we need to access that power rather than relying on what is just clay. He talked about changing our mindset and the hard work of changing our mindset, but we have to do it regardless and knowing, and this is so important when it comes to being stressed, knowing your yes and no. So last week of Stressed Out, here it is. And uh, I'm going to stick with the super practical aspect of this. Um, And I I come to this with a great burden tonight because I've seen, uh, particularly in the last couple of weeks, a lot of things take place whereby it started in stress, but it's ended with the death of things. It's ended with the death of relationships. It's ended with the death of um, careers. It's ended with the death of of all these different things, and and I know that God can bring anything back together, but things that simply started with stress ended where you never thought that they would end. So it's so important we know how to deal with stress. So this is the first point. You will look for something to deal with your stress. You will. And so it's got to be intentional how you go about dealing with that. You see, we are hardwired. Our brains are hardwired to avoid pain. And, and we are pleasure-seeking beings. So we will look to avoid pain. And stress to our brain is mental pain. It's mental pain. And so we don't like it. And our, just our natural response is to look for an escape from that. And how we go about looking for that, we need to be aware. We can't just think, well, everything will be okay. We have to be aware. And so we need to know, point one, know yourself. Know thyself has been a saying for thousands of years. It started with like Plato and Socrates and stuff. And, but they were kind of this hedonistic approach of that you are the most important person in the world and so you need to know yourself and know what you love. I'm not talking about that tonight. I'm talking about knowing yourself, knowing your reactions, knowing your responses, knowing the way that you try to cope with stress. The Bible says that it's so important It puts it like this in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. It says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else, 
because it determines the course of your life. Now, what's it talking about your heart here? You see, we kind of think of your heart as, as the emotional part of yourself, don't we? We think like, I love you from the bottom of my heart, or you broke my heart, you hurt me, you hurt my feelings. We kind of associate the heart with our emotions. Um, and, and it's true that, you know, by the time it got to Greek thinking in the New Testament, that the Greeks thought cognitively was your brain and emotionally was your heart. But back when this scripture was written, your heart was everything. Everything was wrapped up in your heart. It was a seat of your emotion. It was a seat of your thinking. And so if we think about our heart today as our mind, will, and emotions, that that is our heart. It's everything that is us. It is who we are. And if we don't guard our mind, will, and emotions, then we need to know that we may find ourselves in a spot of bother. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So let me ask you this question. What does your heart do unguarded? If you don't guard your heart, where does it naturally pull you towards? Because you have a go-to. You have a go-to. It's just whether or not you know what it is intentionally. Your heart has a go-to. Your mind, your will and emotions, when you feel stress, has a go-to. So it says, guard your heart for above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So, so how you think and feel, how you guard that will determine the course of your outworking. You could put it like this, that your believing leads to your behavior. The way that you focus will end up your fixation. What might start as an infatuation could lead to a fascination and then lead to a preoccupation. And so I want you to think about where your heart naturally goes when you're feeling a bit of stress. Like, is it Netflix? <laughs> is it? What is it? food? And what is the trajectory of where you turn to naturally? You see, what could start as a little infatuation could end in the death of your marriage. What could start as a little bit of binge eating or a little bit of binge drinking could end up with an addiction. And so where does your heart naturally go and where is the trajectory of what you choose? And you might say, well, Bron, I'm I'm way too controlled and I'm, I, I'm way too all over it for it to end up in a bad place. I just got to tell you, I've seen lots of people who would have said that. And so just let me challenge you on that tonight. Where does your heart naturally go? I'm going to read to you the full passage of this and it's um, a long one, but that's good because the scripture is good. It says, take hold of my instructions. Don't let them go. It says here... Guard them, for they are the key to life. Don't do as the wicked do, and don't follow the path of evildoers. Don't even think about it. Don't go that way. Turn away and keep moving. For evil people can't sleep until they've done their evil deed for the day. They can't rest until they've caused someone to stumble. They eat the food of the wickedness of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. The way of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn which shines ever brighter until the light of day. But the way of the wicked is total darkness. They have no idea what they are stumbling over. So it says here that if you'll guard the good stuff, then you'll avoid the bad stuff. Let's keep reading here. It says, My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. 
for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Oh, a little bit, that's all right, isn't it? No, avoid it. Stay away from it. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path. Be intentional for your feet and stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. So if we're going to guard our mind, will, and emotions, we're going to say, hey, you've got a natural bend towards you and you'll find something that seeks pleasure rather than the pain that you're currently feeling and escape from that. But I want to bring you back and I want to find an intentional path to set you on and I want you to look straight ahead and I want you to go for that instead. Let's listen to this scary scripture from the Old Testament. Here it says in Malachi, didn't the Lord make you one with your wife in body and spirit you are his and what does he want godly children from a union (laughs) so guard your heart remain loyal to the wife of your youth for i hate divorce says the lord make just note there it doesn't say i hate divorcees it says i hate divorce because god knows the pain that divorce can bring to our lives to divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty says the lord of heaven's armies so guard your heart do not be unfaithful to your wife What it's essentially saying here is, if you don't guard your heart, you could make decisions that you never thought you'd make. It's saying that actually you could do something that you never thought you'd do. So so what's the trajectory of your stress go-to? Firstly, what is your go-to? And what is the trajectory of your stress go-to? And once you know yourself, number two, you need to take responsibility. You have to take responsibility. You see, you could know yourself. You could do the hard work of knowing yourself. And then it could actually become an excuse for your life if you're getting stressed out. Well, this is what I do because when I'm stressed, I do this. You actually have to take responsibility. You could do the hard work of, of knowing yourself. And, and if you do what we do here at church and what Jules does, um, the temperament test, you could say, oh, well, I'm a doer, so I just don't really regard people's feelings. Well, no, no. <laughs> you still got to be a Christian. <laughs> You've still got to help people. Oh, I'm a thinker, so I just mentally obsess. That's, I, I, that's just my, my go-to. Well, no, no, take responsibility and mentally obsess over the right things. You see, the Bible says that Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. So God's authoring our faith life. He's, he's writing the chapter headings. But filling it in the day-to-day pages, that's up to us. How we spend our day-to-day life is on us. And knowing ourselves is great and that's one thing, but taking responsibility for how that plays out, that's another. For example, um, just really practically, dads used to really get upset about not going to the gym, particularly when our kids were little. He just used to get so annoyed. And, uh, and usually one of the reasons that he wouldn't go to the gym is that he had his work day planned, but because his work day was flexible working for Arnott's, I'd call him and say, oh, Dad, can you just duck home? I've just got to duck out and get the groceries and Bella's asleep or whatever that was and, and come home. How was your day? Oh, I didn't get to go to the gym. I'd be like, okay, how, how was your day? And um, because the gym, like what even is the gym, frankly? But Daz, so it was his release. It was what got him um, centred and all that kind of thing. And eventually, like th- this would just happen constantly. And eventually we had a conversation where, so, Daz, if you don't go to the gym, like, that's up to you. Like, you can say no in the middle of the day. 
And, and I wish I'd never had that conversation because from there, Dad said no to me all the time to go to the gym. And, but that was brilliant. It was actually brilliant in the long run because he needed that as that stress relief and to get straight in his mind. And, um, and so then was able to come home more rested, more relaxed. But, but he had to take responsibility for himself. For me, I know about myself that I get peopled out. And, and that's not, it doesn't feel right when you're a pastor and you get peopled out. It doesn't feel like you should. But I know that unless I retreat, regroup, spend some time alone, and then re-engage, that I will just get exhausted. But if I allow myself to just get booked up and booked up with people after people after people, then, then that's on me. That's not on the people who feel like they need me at that time. That is on me. And so whatever it is, however you know yourself, take responsibility for it. Um, just to go a level deeper with that, in Ezekiel, the Bible says, the prophet was speaking to a nation and he said, no longer can you say our parents ate sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. And essentially what he was saying was that, what the saying was of the day was, well, our parents did this and, and we're suffering the repercussions of what they did in our own lives. And Ezekiel's saying, he said to the nation, he said, hang on, the soul that sins will die. And so we can know ourselves to the point where we say, well, I react and respond like this because my mother never did this or my father did this or whatever happened at school did this. And so that's why I react like that. But what Ezekiel's saying to the people is, you're talking about these generational curses going on and on and on. Take responsibility. He says, the soul that sins will die. Now, he's talking about them taking responsibility for their actions and their sin. But in the same way, we need to take responsibility for the way we react, for the way that we feel when we're stressed out. We, we can't say, well, that's because of this, this and this. We have to take responsibility for it. Make an appointment if you need to. Make an appointment now. Don't wait until you're stressed out. Don't wait till your marriage is stressed out. Make an appointment when you notice some signs. And I would just suggest, in terms of knowing yourself and taking responsibility for you personally, make an appointment with someone who will chop you, <laughs> with someone that who will, because sometimes we would just want to make appointments with people who are just going to go, oh, there, there, poor you, I do. <laughs> I don't want to make an appointment with someone who's going to chop me, no thank you. But if we want to know ourselves, if we want to take responsibility, we need to be willing to say, okay, I need someone to look me in the eye and tell me the truth here. And, and just remember, no one else is invested in your life as you are. Everyone else has got so much on their plate. So you need to make the time. You need to find where your grace space is. You need to remain in that grace space. No one else is responsible for that except for you. So guard your heart. Okay, I'm going to call for the whiteboard now and the moments that I have left. And I just want to talk briefly about, because you might say, well, that's great, Bron, and understand, and wow, you just like chopped us. And But, but what do I do about the feelings and the worries and the concerns that I have right now. How am I supposed to approach that? And I want to use something today that uh, Julie Coleman actually showed me. And I want to um, bring it with some scriptures tonight. And this is called the worry tree. You might be familiar with it. And our scripture for the worry tree is, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So number one is identify the worry. Identify the worry. And uh, it says it here, present your request to God. In order to present your request to God, you need to know what you're actually worried about. 
And so what you need to do first is identify whether it is a hypothetical, Jules, or current. No, is it a, is it a current worry or a hypothetical situation? So is it a current worry or a hypothetical situation? Because isn't it true that sometimes we can get so worried about hypotheticals that actually they just kind of mull over in our head and, and they actually haven't happened yet. So, so if it's hypothetical, then... I'm just going to bring my book over here. This is a bit awkward. If it's hypothetical, then let it go. And Lockie, you might need to keep up with the slides with me here for the scriptures, buddy. But let it go. And uh, in this, I don't think you have this scripture, Lock, but in Matthew chapter 6, it says that... You can't add a single cubit to your height by worry. You're not getting any taller if you're worried about your height. There are some things that are just hypothetical, so let it go. And then redirect your focus. Redirect. And the scripture for that one is Philippians 4, 8, Loco, which is the next one. Whatever is... Oh, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? That's that one. Next one. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So if I identify that it's hypothetical, you've gone, okay, I better let it go because the worry can't add a single moment to my life and redirect my focus. So, okay, I'm going to think about the things that are lovely and pure. But hang on, there are sometimes times that the worry is current. And then you've got to ask the question, can I do anything about it? Can I do anything about it? Well, if the answer is no, then, then your scripture here is Romans 14.4. Can you put the next slide up, Lock? Oh, oh, this is interesting because it's a current worry, so it's real, but you can't do anything about it. It says here, who are you to judge someone else's servant to their own master, servant, stand or fall? And they will stand for the Lord is able to make them stand. What's the point there? If you're worried about a current worry, but you can't do anything about it, you can trust the Lord to make you stand. If you're the Lord's servant, then you just go, okay, God, I can't do anything about this. I trust you to make me stand. And then we redirect our focus. And if it's a current worry, when we redirect our focus... Next slide, Exodus chapter 14, verse 14, says, The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And in Deuteronomy 3, it says, Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God himself will fight for you. So as you're redirecting your focus from the current worry, remember that God is actually fighting for you. So can I do something about it if the answer is yes? The answer is yes, I can do something about it. So we need to come up with an action plan. Do I need to do something about it now or later? Now, later. So if it's now, do it. And the scripture here, the next slide, is fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. My husband gave me this saying constantly. He says, Bron, is the only thing stopping you fear of man? And if it is, then you need to do it. So you come up with your action plan, you work out you need to do it now, and if the only thing that's stopping you from doing it is fear, then you've just got to do it anyway. And uh, Proverbs 29.5 is that one. And then once you've done it, then you let it go and you redirect your focus. Now, if it's a later thing, you've scheduled it and you can do it like, well, it's got to be done later, then you have to schedule it. And Matthew 6.54, schedule, schedule, 
um, says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So once you've scheduled it, then you've just got to put it away. You can't worry about it until the day that you've got it scheduled. If you keep thinking about it and thinking about it ahead of time, you'll do your head in. So then you do it, and then you let it go. Once done. And you change your focus once it's done. Redirect. And Ephesians chapter 6 says, Therefore put on the full armour of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Once it's all done, you've just got to stand. There's nothing more you can do. It's when we let it churn over and over in our hearts. It's when we let it churn over and over in our minds that it keeps on coming. Now, it's really interesting if we go back to um, that first verse in Philippians 4, 6. It says, with thanksgiving. Do you know that uh, neuro... Neurologists, neurologists even, <laughs> neurologists have researched and found that if you'll spend 21 days writing down three things every day that you're grateful for, that you change your brain to be more optimistic for the next six months. So God said right back at the start, make sure you do this with thanksgiving. And, and he knew what he was talking about, of course, because he's God. So be intentional about your gratitude. Okay, last point, mind your own business. Number four, Mind your own business. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11 says in two different versions here, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. Just let's pause here for a second, okay? Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. Where in the, the, this century that we live in is anyone saying make it your ambition to lead a quiet life? Neverland, that's where. <laughs> because everyone wants you to live a loud life, this life that is, you know, Instagrammable and, and is able to be seen and admired, but it says here, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands just as we told you. In the NLT, it says, stay calm, mind your own business, do your own job. You've heard all this from us before, but a reminder never hurts. Mind your own business. You know, actually, I think that will calm us a lot down if we knew a lot less. Do you know that there's websites dedicated to Christian gossip? You can find out who left what church for what reason, who got stood down. Websites for Christian gossip, which, by the way, is not a thing. Christian gossip, not a thing. Oxymoron right there. Um, just lead a quiet life. Calm all the farms and just decide to mind your own business. You know, I think in our world this would be a game changer. If we just had a lot less information to be worried about, then we could actually stop being so stressed out. So know yourself, take responsibility. Don't be anxious for anything, but with thanksgiving, present your prayers and petitions to God and mind your own business. That is the end of stressed out. I think if we apply those points, we'll actually stress a whole lot less. And so I'm going to pray and uh, as the band comes. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you that your word is incredible. Lord, you had all this sorted before any neurologist existed, before any counsellors or psychologists knew what even that was. So, Lord, we pray that you will give us the wisdom and the strength to apply your word to our lives. God, we pray that you would help us to mind our own business and, and just have less information in our brains, have a quiet life, God. 
Lord, we pray that, Lord, you would help us to be anxious for nothing, but instead to hand it all over to you, to identify those worries, God, and hand them back and to give thanks, God. We pray that we would realize that, Lord, we have to take responsibility. And Lord, we pray that you'll help us realize the things in ourself, God. And church, if you could just take a moment right now. And I'm just going to ask God to reveal to us, and I believe that He will because He loves us, just one thing that would help us to calm down, to stress less. It could be super practical. It might be spiritual. But Holy Spirit, we just open our hearts to You right now. And would You just quicken something to us? Lord, that we would be obedient in. And Lord, help us to have the strength to do it, God, the courage to do it, whatever it is, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. As God leads us and guides us and directs us, we are able to have a Christmas that involves a whole lot less stress, an end of year that involves a whole lot less stress, and a new year with promise and excitement and gratitude. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.